Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, the Cougars come off their bye week with a new starting quarterback as they prepare for a trip to Tampa. And we've got the coach and offensive lineman Brady Christensen in Studio C as BYU Football with Kalani Sitake starts now. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello once again, BYU football fans, and welcome back inside the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another edition of the Satake Show, your weekly look inside Cougar football and a weekly chance to interact with Kalani on social media. We do that later on in the program. You can join the conversation by submitting questions for Kalani on Twitter using hashtag Sitake Show as well as on Facebook and Instagram via the BYU TV sports accounts. On tonight's show, we'll recap BYU's last game at Toledo, discuss what to expect from the new QB1, Jaron Hall. We'll preview the first ever meeting with South Florida, go inside the film room with quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick. We'll ask your questions to Coach Satake. We're mic'd up with Kyrus Tonga and starting left tackle Brady Christensen will join us here in studio. Let us get tonight's broadcast underway by bringing in BYU's fourth-year head coach. Just moments after leaving the practice field today, he is Kalani Sitake. Good to see you. Good to see you. I fist bump everybody, but I don't have time to do that. So. <laughs> big growl. It would take a little while. Good group here today. Yeah. Missed you guys. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we were off last week. Uh, so uh, the way the college football calendar breaks this year, uh, two bye weeks for everybody. And you get two in, uh, in three weeks, as it turns out. First one was this past week. Uh, what's a bye week like uh, uh, for Kalani Satake and his team? Uh, work, you know, and, and uh, the coaches get to go out and recruit a little bit. And, and um, But for the most part, we still work, and, and the guys worked out. And we went Monday through Thursday and uh, got some practice in. Is, is, uh, we had to break in a new quarterback, you know, so that was a, that was a good uh, timing, I guess, if you were going to have an injury. But, uh, yeah, the guys worked hard, and, and uh, I feel good about going into this week against South Florida. And just, we'll get to more about Jaron Hall in a second, but uh, it was a pretty intense week for him then, obviously, because he had to jam a lot in to a short span of time, but a little longer period of time with no game last week, so it was good for him that way. Yeah, and I, th- I think he's he's the kind of guy that's just ready to go anyways. And, um, I mean, nobody wants it to see someone get hurt, but I think he was anxious to jump in, in the game when even at that moment, um, you know, we were down and he had to, he had to create a drive, and uh, I think he was... He's ready to answer the call, and so um, it didn't go our way on that that last drive. But I think I, I, he has a lot of confidence, and I have a lot of confidence in the coaches, and then um, the, the, you know devise a game plan that will work, work with his strengths. And then I think from what I've seen from him, he prepares really well, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. So that last drive came in the last game, which was already 10 years ago, a week and a half ago already. Uh, it's long enough in the past that it seems like a long time ago. We're not going to do an in-depth breakdown by any stretch. But uh, since we were off last week, let's take a brief look back at uh, what went down in Toledo. It was BYU's fifth game of the season uh, right before uh, the bye week. And this game saw BYU uh, get scored on to go down 3 nothing. But then uh, BYU kind of caught fire a little bit and uh, scored the next two touchdowns of this game. A long punt return setting up this Emmanuel Asupa touchdown run. Yeah, Soup, I mean, getting the bulk of the reps with Tyson's injury, and I think he, he showed up for the game, and, and he has a lot of skill, too, so I know he has to prove himself. BYU had a halftime lead and expanded that lead. I love a Hifo had a, just a tremendous day in every way. Connects on a 75-yard score. 
Last time BYU and Toledo played, it was uh, Taysom Hill to Jonah Trinneman for 75 yards and a touchdown, too. So long plays have been kind of a thing with these guys. Yeah, Naleva's got a lot of ability. He doesn't punt and turns, doesn't, you know, as a receiver. He just doesn't as a reverse and, uh, you know, running the ball as well. So uh, defensively, struggled. Got, we're able to force, uh, force some field goals. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that, that play, we got to be able to fight through the picks and, and, and uh, get a stop. But... Um, Diane is what he always does. He's always around the ball on that punt cover and finds a way to, re when they muff it, he, he recovers the ball. I love a Hifo at a two-touchdown day. The second to two scores put BYU up by a score of 21-14. to 14. Cougars took a lead into the fourth quarter, normally a pretty uh, sure sign of victory for BYU, but in this game, Toledo would come back, uh, tie the game early in the fourth quarter, and it would stay that way until really the final moments of play. Things got crazy late. Toledo looking for a game-clinching score, and Chaz Ayu makes a heck of a play. Yeah, I mean, uh, our, our guys do a great job at stripping the ball, and uh, you know, all season long, that's one thing that they focus on. But uh, unfortunately, we got the ball back and then turned it right back over again, and and they actually advanced the ball down into the into the goal line area, and were able to score. And um, you know, and then we we're, were caught with 52 seconds left, trying to get get this tying tying score. BYU put itself in a scoring position, but needing a touchdown. This was the final play of the game, trying to get uh, Talon Shumway in the back right pylon, and it falls out of bounds, and this game would end Toledo 28 and BYU 21 as the Cougars fall to 2-3 and three on the year. Toledo, meantime, uh, followed up that game with a win at home this past weekend, and now 4-1, and one, looking like a pretty good team. Yeah, just frustrating. We were able to you know, create some turnovers, and uh, you know, just, just couldn't punch the, the ball in and get enough points, and then defensively, we're on the field uh, too long. You know, We've got to find a way to get out of uh, drives and get the ball back to our offense so they can put points on the board. Well, the biggest news uh, to come out of the game, and we hit it earlier, is the another serious injury on offense. You go Tyson Williams one week, and unfortunately Zach Williams, the very uh, Zach Wilson, the very uh, next week to hand injury. But you know, we don't think it's season ending. Is that right with uh, with Zach? Yeah, we don't know the exact uh, timetable. We know that he'll miss this game, and then we'll kind of evaluate it as we go along. Still from here on out, but uh, looking forward to getting him back this season. Okay, so it's a freshman starter for BYU, and as it turns out, Kalani, uh, nothing new for BYU of late. They had a freshman starter in 2015 with, uh, with Tanner Mangum, uh, Joe Critchlow, a freshman in 2017, and of course last year, Zach Wilson in a 2018, and here we are in 2019 with uh, Jaron Hall. Back in the day, freshmen almost never got to play quarterback for BYU, and now it's kind of a regular occurrence. Yeah, it's just uh, how far in advance the game's become uh, from high school to, to the college level, and you know, unfortunately, quarterbacks have been hurt uh, every year uh, here at BYU for a while now. So uh, knowing that, we were able to get some depth and, and seem like the running back position is something that gets hurt as well. So uh, we, we're going to le lean on our, our depth. I mean, we don't ever plan on guys getting injured, but we have to plan for it just in case. And then uh, we, we look to get in depth, be uh, better depth this year, and, and now we're going to test it. So since Max Hall left in 2009, uh, BYU's used multiple starting quarterbacks every year over the last decade except for one, and the one year was 2013 when it was Taysom Hill who went the whole way, which is ironic because he had a lot of seasons end due to injury, but Taysom went all the way in 2013. That's it. So over a span of, of you know, 10-plus seasons, you need more than one guy, it's, it looks like. Yeah, and then the, the game, I mean, the schedules and the games that we have, it's going gonna, it's gonna to test us physically, and uh, we, we've been able to... The, you know, develop ourselves and get ourselves ready physically for the game in the off season, and done that with with us of development of players and depth and, and added some new players to our, our roster. But uh, this is this is the moment that we've asked for. You know, the, the with the schedule that we're at, if we if guys need their number called, and, and I, I think they're ready to respond. I think Jaron, he's a really confident kid, and um, he's got tons of ability, and 
we saw what he was able to do in, in spring ball, you know, in, in spring game. And he's a big play waiting to happen as well. Injuries have been a big factor over the last uh, first five games of the season. Did the bye week help at all in terms of getting a few guys a little more ready to go here? Or? Yeah, and I think for the, really for the most part is getting younger guys more reps and, and simulating game type of reps so where they can, uh, if we, we need to call on them to play at all the different positions. We were able to develop our young guys a lot and, and really work on some scheme and, and see some things that we can get an early start on South Florida. I mean, it's important that we uh, play at our best and, and uh, you know, we're going against a really athletic team and well-coached team, and so we have to be ready. And, and uh, I think the guys use the every, every uh, day to prepare for that game. Okay, that's our Look Back segment. Lots more to Looking Ahead uh, still to come. BYU fans, be sure to tune in for your day-to-day Cougar sports play-by-play. It's BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and here on BYU Radio. When we come back, we go inside the film room with quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Aaron Roderick, and we preview the matchup with South Florida. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, healing for life. Coming up Saturday, BYU at South Florida. We see this because USF is coached by Charlie Strong, who was in his first year as head coach at Texas in 2014 when BYU won in Austin by a score of 41-7 in a game in which Taysom Hill did that. The Taysom Hill hurdle game. Good times. Here are your game day times for this Saturday. Radio coverage starting with Cougar pregame live at 1.30 Eastern, 10.30 Pacific. With BYU TV's countdown to kick off an hour later than the game itself on CBS Sports Network and BYU Radio. Postgame coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Each week on this show, we get a little deeper into BYU's most recent game with an assistant coach who uh, gives us additional insight with an expert's perspective as we break down a few nice plays from the previous game, assisted by our own Jerem Jordan. This week... Quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Aaron Roderick takes us inside the film room. All right, here with quarterback coach and passing game coordinator Aaron Roderick. Uh, Aaron, let's break down some film. What do you want to look at? Uh, Well, we're starting off with a play-action pass. It was in the first quarter. Uh, This is a concept we run quite a bit. And uh, typically the primary receiver is that we're trying to hit Bushman on an over route. Um, But... In this case, Toledo's safeties played a lot lower than they had shown in previous games, and Zach did a good job of finding Gunner on the deep post over the top. Like I said, the idea is to find ways to get the ball to Bushman, and you can see three defenders surrounding Bushman, the safety playing really low, so we're going to throw it over his head if they don't back up. Okay, let's look at an uh, RPO, a run-pass option. Yeah, so this is a play um, you know, where, based on the numbers here, the numbers that of defenders in the box would tell you to throw it. Um, but Zach did a nice job of noticing that the linebackers had both moved to the edge of the defense and were coming off the edge. So he felt like if we just creased, just found a crease, it could score. And so um, this is a play, just a, a great decision by the QB that kind of goes outside of, of you know, what we teach and um, just an instinct, an instinct play by him. And uh, the, you, the touchdown in the Tennessee game, Tyson had one similar to that. It was, mm. a, it was an RPO where the numbers would have said throw it, but Zach saw that the Mike linebacker had walked to the edge of the defense and there was no support in the second level, so he handed it off and, and it paid off and the 
you know, plays well blocked and all you need is a little room. With Steve Clark, we, we looked at the over route with Bushman and again, another successful route that you were trying to get earlier in the play, but Matt Bushman, this is a classic BYU route apparently. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the exact same play really. It's just this time we just, it's, it's pure play action, seven man protection. Zach had to hold it just a little bit to wait, to wait for Bushman to clear the linebackers and then threw it out there to the grass and Matt just makes a great catch here. Uh, Zach's got plenty of time and Matt catches the back end of the ball here hmm. and finds a way to keep his, his feet in bounds. It's great play. Okay, and uh, Aleva Hifo with the longest play of the season so far, 75 yards. Yeah, this was a third and long, and we were expecting man coverage, and so uh, we're running a little switch route here where we're going to try to create some traffic for the inside inside defender, the guy in Aleva. We're going to try to create traffic for him to deal with and, and then just let Aleva use his speed. And... Um, it's a good job by Aleva saving the, this, the grass out between the numbers and the sideline. You know, if you bleed too far out there, it can make the throw hard. And he, he gave Zach a lot of room to drop it in. And then Zach threw a perfect ball. And then it's a great effort by Aleva to finish. Um, Aleva's one of our more explosive guys. we got to find more ways to feature him. Okay, Jaron Hall will get his first career start uh, BYU against South Florida. What can we expect uh, in terms of what he does really well that you're hoping to see? Uh, this will be Jaron's first start, so it's expected that you know he, he might make a few uh, mistakes. But talent-wise, it's it's not not a huge you know there's there's really really no drop off. He's an excellent athlete. He's a good thrower. He's a smart guy. Um, he's a great competitor. Um, so we have a lot of trust in him that that he'll play at a high level. Okay, have fun in Tampa. Appreciate it. All right, so great stuff from A-Rod and Jerem. Thanks, guys. Let's take a look ahead to this weekend's uh, trip to Tampa. It is BYU and USF. The Bulls, like BYU, uh, two and three. Cougs have been uh, sitting on two losses for a couple weeks, but uh, USF picked up a confidence-boosting win on the weekend. Kalani, they went to struggling UConn, but uh, played well enough to score 48 and win going away. Yeah, and, they, you know, athletic quarterback that um, they can you can use his feet and extend plays. Their defense was pretty active, and, you know, Charlie Strong is a good coach, and, and, and you look at the things that he did at, at Louisville, and you look at the things he did at Texas, and the athletes that he was able to recruit, and they have great athletes there at South Florida. And uh, regardless of what they do and what, what, what they bring, we have to be ready as, you know, ourselves in all three phases, and I, feel, I really feel comfortable with the matchup. They may struggle with some defensive numbers, but uh, they're one of the more disruptive teams in the country right now. They're tied for third in takeaways with 14 uh, through five games, so almost almost three a game. Yeah, they, they bring a lot of pressure, and they play a lot of man coverage, and so they're, uh, they try to bank on the quarterback making mistakes and, and uh, you know, making bad throws. And, and I think, uh, you know, we're going to have to establish the run game and, and be able to be balanced. But uh, Jaron, I think Jaron just stays aggressive and doesn't think too much. He'll be fine. And then... The guys all have his back, and so I think the, the guys will rally around him. And, and what I've seen from practice, I think he'll be ready. USF can really come after you. They are a, a top five in the country in TFLs. Um, and by the same token, uh, they're bottom 15 in TFLs surrendered tackles for loss and allow a lot of sacks. So uh, it, it seems like there's havoc both ways, offensively and defensively up front for these guys. Yeah, I think defensively our D-line is going to have to control the, the, the front. But also, you know, scheme-wise, we're going to have to do some things that, that are, that are going to help us have success and, and get the get us off the field and uh, we're looking forward to it. I think they they disrupt a lot on defense and, and but they also take a lot of risks, which should give us an opportunity to capitalize on some of those mistakes that they may make. Um, and our offense has been around that type of defense for a long time. This this year we've seen a lot of 
man coverage and a lot of pressures. And so this will be uh, something that, that they, our guys should be tuned up on. Coach Lamb was telling me that he is familiar with USF's offensive coordinator from his days back in the FCS. And you already mentioned to Charlie Strong, who's been around. He got it off to a tremendous start uh, at USF. He was 17-2 and two at one point uh, there with USF. But uh, they've gone 2-9 and nine since, so they've been kind of uh, dealing with the ups and downs uh, the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they've been battling with some injury as well, you know, at the quarterback position and other positions as well. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to be more focused on what we can get done and executing at a high level on, on all three phases and scoring points and then causing disruption on defense. What do you want to get done when it comes to BYU's rush defense moving forward? The numbers allowed have been a little bit off of what you're used to, typically yeah, with your team. It's got to change. And so the... Um, Whatever it takes, we have we have capable players, and uh, you know, looking at, at at what we can do as coaching as a coaching staff, it's my job is to make sure our guys disrupt on defense and cause havoc, and on offense we score points, and so that's that's what the focus has been for me as a head coach, and we have capable players that are willing and try hard and play with great effort, and so there's really no excuse other than I got to get these guys ready. Offensively, when it comes to your run game, I know you're confident in Soup and Lopini and others back there. Uh, I think you brought Jackson McChesney into the active mix uh, heading into your last game. Is he still getting more reps in practice, and he sees somebody to watch for? He is, and, and the guy that just got home from a mission and uh, should be able to provide some depth for us and give us a, a spark. He's got a lot of speed. Another guy to, to add to the mix is Sione Finau, who, who brings, I mean, we saw a lot of him in the spring. Um, those guys will have opportunities, but, uh, you know, we're going to rely on, on, on uh, running back core with, Soup running, running the, the lead, and, um, you know, those guys are going to play behind a physical line, and we're going to have to find ways to get points, whether it's throwing the ball or running. We have to have dynamic playmakers on the field. Dynamic playmakers at quarterback for both teams. Interesting that uh, BYU's got a redshirt freshman going. Uh, USF's got a redshirt freshman going at quarterback, and they're kind of similar in that they're both really good playmakers with their legs uh, at that spot. Yeah, and I think um, the, mentally I think uh, Jaron's ready for this. You know, he's been chomping at the bit for his opportunity it's here now and you look at the way he plays baseball he's a multi-sport athlete and I think he's just he's, he's ready for this this moment and I think he's just going to be anxious at the opportunity and we have to put him in a position where Jaron could really flourish and do well and uh, the, the boys will play hard so looking forward to the to the game. Seeing Jaron's counterpart with the other team Jordan McLeod is his name and again he's a redshirt freshman like Jaron and both guys can get around a bit. We see some of their numbers of note. Jared McLeod, McLeod's already had three starts, as they've had to use a couple guys uh, due to injury already. Jared making his first start, but I think both, again, are dynamic enough to where both defenses will have uh, certainly, uh, if not spies, uh, be clearly aware of where that uh, QB is because they could be playmakers out there. Yeah, very similar. Going to be a good matchup. Should be good weather and we'll, another opportunity for us to go play with in front of a bunch of fans in our region, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the game's going to be taking place at uh, Raymond James Stadium, which is the uh, stadium for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, USF, uh, like BYU, 2-3 uh, and three coming in, as I noted. Uh, a couple quick other players to watch, fans might want to watch or listen uh, for USF. Uh, they've got a running back named Jordan Cronkright, who had 150 yards rushing this past weekend against UConn. A couple of good linebackers, one of whom uh, got recognition in the American Conference this past week. So, again, just a couple of guys, uh, names to note and uh, people to watch as BYU looks to get one down there in Tampa on the weekend. That's your look ahead to BYU and USF. All right, as we head to break, I want you to know that you can enjoy a full hot breakfast buffet, dinner Monday through Wednesday, a kitchen in a large grassy backyard along the Provo River Trail, all at the Residence Inn Marriott in Provo. Coordinator's Corner, by the way, is on demand. Ed Lamb and Eli Satuiaki join me this week. You can watch it on the BYU TV app Mondays at 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific. 
After the break, what do Jaron Hall's teammates think of him? We're going to find out. The coach takes your questions from in-studio and on social media. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. The right repair, the right paint, the right choice. Elise Flake and the sixth-ranked BYU women's soccer team continuing West Coast Conference play Wednesday, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, on the BYU TV app and on 107.9 FM in Utah against Pepperdine. BYU one of only two unbeaten teams in all of Division I women's soccer at 10-0-1. They lead the nation in home attendance as well. All right, this Saturday at South Florida, the Cougs will have a new quarterback. He is redshirt freshman Jaron Hall here now. Some of his teammates on this now two-sport starter. Jaron Hall, such a humble kid, such a great leader, a great athlete, one of the best athletes on the team, just a great player. When he first came home from his mission, uh, the most focused, like, mature dude. Like, I don't think he, I got a laugh out of him. Jaron Hall is very athletic, very humble. Um, he's a really good guy off the field and on the field, and he's one of those guys that has those natural attributes to be a leader. He's a collected individual. He's calm, he knows what's going on, he's aware of his surroundings, aware of the defense, aware of his own players, where they're at. I'd say aware. I, I've known Jaron for a long time. Uh, he, he's smooth, he's, uh, he's funny and charismatic uh, on and off the field, and he's just a good guy to be around and a guy that you want on your team. Jaron Hall, he's a good guy, man. I, I, I love Jaron Hall. Um, great QB, great guy, never complains. Very humble kid, um, always working hard. Uh, he never gives up. Poise, poise beyond his years. Um, a young guy, but very confident in his ability and ready to, to step out on the field and, and do the job when called upon. And he is the man starting Saturday. Time now for some Q&A on the Satake Show. We've got live audience and social media questions ready to roll. And we'll open this week's session right here in Studio C. Our friend Brenton Farrell is at the mic. Hello again, Brenton. Hello again, Greg. Hey, Coach. So I happen to know you have a birthday coming up on Thursday. Any fun plans? Nope. Fly to Florida? (laughs) Just going to – I have a birthday wish. No one's going to know what it is, but you can kind of guess. So, yeah. I – once you get past, like, once you get home from your mission, you stop counting birthdays and celebrating them. So it's all about the kids. <laughs> you guys won't Thank fly. Thank you, though, for reminding me how old I am. <laughs> we didn't get a number there, did we? We just got the fact that you've got a birthday. old enough I have gray hairs all over the place. That's it. you don't get to see. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, <laughs> this will be a travel day, though, right, for you guys? Yep. Getting back to the Eastern time zone, Getting you go Thursday. East Coast, yeah, we're kind of used to it now. So that this will be our third, third visit out of four. Third of four. Uh, at Tar Heeled Cougar on Twitter asks, is there a different approach between recruiting players that have and have not heard of the LDS church before? Is there a different pitch? I yeah, mean, or a different approach between recruiting players who are familiar and not familiar with the church. I think you base it on football and then, and then really what makes BYU unique. Uh, that's things that, that uh, we, we don't shy away from. And that's, our, that's the strength of what BYU is all about, the honor code, uh, the fact that they play, we play the game with Christian values and try to represent uh, the church on the field and off the field, and so um, that's one thing. That's one of the things that that, that um, guys like Soup and Tyson really they gravitated towards when they came on their visit. They saw it, and they got to meet all the fans and, and get to meet the people around school, and that's what sold it for them. Okay, back uh, into the studio here with uh, Luke Layton at the mic. Hello, Luke. Hi. Hey. Oh, should I ask my question? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Why not? Okay. 
Uh, what player is most likely to skip leg day? What player? Yeah. Will skip leg day. None. <laughs> and we don't force them to do it, but they they none of our guys skip those days. Okay. Even the kickers, yeah, it's important. <laughs> How about the coaches when it comes to workout routines? Who still hits it pretty hard? Yeah, well, we, we try to promote everyone work out hard. I mean, we've we got to get our coaches so that they can, you know, still stay on the field and move around a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we work out every day as a coaching staff. Probably not as much as we should, but we try to get, get the rings on our watch field in. How about you in leg day, Kalani? I, I, walking every step I take is a leg day, is a leg <laughs> press. So uh, my legs are naturally strong just from walking an incline or taking two steps uphills is, is enough for a lot of people's leg day. Social media for Coach, at uh, OKForever on Twitter. Uh, coach, what's the best win you've been a part of as a player or a coach? Um, the best win was Lavelle when I was with Lavelle, his last game. That was the best win. And that's, um, you know, my first year, my freshman year, we played Notre Dame. That was really up there because, you know, we got to be in South Bend and win that game. But in 94, but then with Lavelle, the last game, it's just, it's just that, that, that like did City. it for me. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. And, you know, that's my guy. So just to see him get that win meant a lot to him. He didn't show a lot of emotion, but in the locker room, it, it was it was really heavy and, and uh, just felt his love for the program. How about as a coach? As a coach, um, that's to be determined. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, this this year's been a lot of fun, but there's obviously a lot of things that, that, that we want to get done and, and a lot of goals that we have. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay, back in studio, we have uh, Brian Whitaker at the mic. Hello, Brian. Hi. Kalani, who's your favorite pro football team and why? Yeah, San Francisco 49ers because my grandpa's from San Mateo. And when he came from the islands, that's where he, he settled. And, you know, our, our family is either um, Raiders fans or Niners fans. And so the righteous ones cheer for the, for the, for the Niners. And the, the ones that need to repent cheer for the Raiders. And that, and that includes my dad, who's a big Raiders fan. But, yeah, I, I, went, I sided with grandpa with the Niners. And they had the most BYU football players back then. So... Yeah, that's my team. They got to win. Fred Warner's doing doing a great job there. Yeah, over the years, uh, Raiders more, or rather, Niners more than the Raiders, of course, have had more BYU connections over time. So it seems like they've always had somebody. Like not too many years go by before someone else uh, joins uh, the Niners from BYU. Yeah, the, the Niners do well when they have when they have a BYU Cougar on the team. And and by the way, uh, they're off to four zero start this year, and look like they could be right there to the end. They look really good. Yeah, especially just really proud of Fred. He's yeah. done a great job, and he's you know it just seems to be making a lot of plays and. You're seeing a lot of guys getting good coverage out there that are in the NFL, and whether it's Taysom at, at New Orleans or Kyle Van Noy, what he's doing there in, in New England has been really special. So these guys are making an impact, and, and they're, they're being known in, in the NFL. Final social media question comes from our good friend, former BYU punter Johnny Linehan okay. on Twitter. And Johnny asks about tonight's audience, who's the legend wearing an all-blacks jersey in the crowd tonight? And sitting next, sitting next to our friend DJ there, we've got a guy in the All Blacks jersey. <laughs> and by the way, the, the, the Rugby World Cup is going on right now in Japan, and New Zealand is, is 3-0, and they play Italy on Friday. Uh, how about rugby? What's your background with rugby? Any at all? Well, I mean, we always followed it, you know, but um, obviously I'm from Tonga, so that's, you know, that's my team, but... <laughs> Uh, it's the All Blacks, they, they, they have that, the haka down, and they got a good following. So, uh, But my, my nation will, will rise soon. <laughs>
Well, thanks for being in the crowd tonight with that. And <laughs> so someone took notice out there. Thank you, Johnny. All right, uh, McKenna Miller and the ninth-ranked women's volleyball team looking to extend an eight-match win streak when they host San Francisco Thursday night, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, on the BYU TV app. So check that out. Coming up next, we check in with our Cougars in the NFL, guys like Fred Warner. We also get mic'd up with Kyrus Tonga and visit with starting left tackle Brady Christensen. This is BYU football with Kalani Sitake. Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, healing for life. Welcome back to BYU Football. Kalani Sitake on BYU TV, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Checking out our Cougars in the NFL. Taysom Hill, 32 total yards through the on the ground and through the air for the Saints, and their win over the Buccaneers. In whose stadium the Cougars will play this Saturday? By the way, Fred Warner. And Sione Takitaki played against each other last night on Monday Night Football. That Niners and Browns game. Niners won that one big, 31-3, if memory serves. And uh, Kyle Van Noy, who last week was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, had a pass deflection and a quarterback hit in the Patriots' big win over the Redskins. And they are rolling. And notably, Jamal Williams still has swag. (laughs) Check out this get-up over the weekend uh, as he was on the road with the Packers. He's got a shirt featuring Flamingos and the Stretch Y along with a neon fanny pack and matching shoes. So uh, well done there, and a shout-out to Jamal's mom for making that, uh, making that uh, available to us on social media. All right, well, each week we take you inside a BYU practice week by wiring a BYU player or coach for a day under the helmet. And this week we do some subtle stalking of Kairos Tonga in a feature we call Mic'd Up. What is that? Oh, a duck? Oh, a duck? Here you go, Rocky. Two. Four, two. Give me the juice. Want the juice. There it goes. There it goes, Zo. There it goes, Zo. There you go, D line. I see you, Zo, Zo. Hey, last one, baby, let's go. There you go. There you go, man. Let it be, boy. Hey, D-line on three. One, two, three. D-line. Kyrus Tonga mic'd up. Good stuff. Last season, as a redshirt freshman, he started every game for the Cougars at left tackle. This season, he's reclaimed his starting spot on the left edge and will this weekend be protecting the blind side for the Cougs' new starting quarterback. And it is our pleasure to welcome him into Studio C. Let's all say hello to Brady Christensen. What's up, guys? Hey, Greg. How's it going? Touch. What shoes do we have on here today? What are we wearing? I got some 11s on, retro 11s. Jordan. Can we, can we get a little close-up on, uh, on, on, on the shoe action here? Uh, was this an online purchase, the outlets, typical of Walmart? Where'd you get these? Yeah, it was online, Foot Locker. Uh, you have to get them right when they come out. They'll sell out. <laughs> so I got lucky and got them. <laughs> uh, the Brady Christensen story, uh, where does it start and how does it get you to BYU? Oh, it starts when I was seven years old. I mean, I fell in love with the game early. I don't think I've missed a game since the 
I was seven years old. A BYU game? Uh, or any like, well, uh, a football, football game that you game. played in? Yeah, okay. played in. Okay. And that's kind of where it started. I uh, actually grew up. I wasn't like a huge Utah or BYU fan. Uh, I, I just love football. So I went to Utah games, Utah State games, went to BYU games, just went to them all. just loved the game. And you, you played it, you said, from like since you were seven, yeah, you since say? I was seven, yep, played okay. football. Uh, when did you become, really, an offensive lineman? Uh, probably the same age. I mean, <laughs> I was big, bigger uh, when I was a little kid, and I played offensive line and defensive line. But then I got – everyone kind of caught up to me, and I was a late bloomer. So I kind of went to a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of running back for a few years. But – uh, most of my years have been offensive line, and I've loved it. And your high school ball was played at? Bountiful High. Okay. Yep. By that point, are you starting to figure out uh, who your favorite college team is at this point, and, and then how did the recruiting process go for you? Yeah, so I, I was still going. Like, I remember that one Utah game where the fans rushed the field against BYU, and they got, like, the penalty or whatever. Yeah. I was a part of it, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was still – I was just a football fan. If I got invited to the Utah game, I'd go to the Utah game. And the recruiting process was late for me. Um, once again, I was a late bloomer, and so I, I was small. Um, just played sophomore ball my sophomore year, and then I was like 200 pounds my junior year. Um, played offensive line, but undersized. Um, and then a couple of smaller schools came in. BYU came in late, and I knew right away I wanted to be here. When did you, Kalani, first become acquainted with uh, Brady Christensen? Well, I knew him back when he was in high school, and, and uh, he was – Multi-sport athlete, you know, he played a lot. Of, he played baseball and basketball, and so he's a pitcher. And so I know his coach was bragging about him quite a bit, and and um, it just just I was really excited when when I got the job and knew that he was uh, a guy that was going to be here. And uh, credit to to the coaches that offer him, Two J and those guys, as they recognized it in Bronco, and and then uh, you know we had to recruit him a little bit. And Coach Empey did a good job of getting him back in here, and uh, he's a special player. He, I know he talks, he's really humble, but he, uh, not a lot of uh, linemen get sp- player of the game. You know, he does, he's done that already twice for yep. us on offense. And, and, um, but we knew he was going to be a special player once we saw him get some weight on. And, and uh, athleticism and his technique is great. I mean, he's, he's, gonna be, he's a great player, and, and um, he's got a really, really bright future at, at O-line, and, and especially left tackle, which is the hardest position on the O-line to play. Um, I don't know, it's an argument between him and James, which one's harder, center or left tackle. But um, he's, just got this, he's just got this great attitude about the game. And just when I mean, you see the passion that he has for the game and for, for the school and for his teammates, uh, it's, it's awesome. And then, you know, he's kind of a pretty boy. He doesn't like to admit, but he, he admitted that he has a, a Jordans on and everything. But, but, it, but uh, you know, he's off the market. He's got a wonderful wife that takes good care of him. And his game stepped up even more this year since he got married. <laughs> uh, backtracking a little bit, uh, you, you brought up the uh, uh, the Utah field storming, which actually happened twice, right, in the same game. Yep. You were you were you were uh, among the fans hitting the field that day. Yeah, it was both times. Yeah, both okay. times. <laughs> I might have ran into him because I was <laughs> running on one, one <laughs> in that game you're too. All, you're both there. One of my yeah. good friends, he had season tickets, and he invited me, and I was like, "Yep, I'm in." And he was like, "You got to wear some Utah gear." So I probably had a Utah hat on. Oh, that hurts. That hurts me too. <laughs> but look where we're sitting now, right? So it all worked out. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, first season off of you went on a mission to New Zealand, right? Yep. So I guess we were to bring back the All Blacks again. We got the guy in the All Blacks jersey right there. That means that, there we go. <laughs> so that looks a little familiar to you, right? Yep, definitely. Okay. By the way, like since the Rugby World Cup is going on right now, are you, are you checking that out? Did you learn to love, love rugby at all on your mission? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd ask everyone because everyone knows rugby in New Zealand. So I'd ask everyone about like the game and how it's because it's it's different. It's a lot different than football. People think it's similar because you're hitting each other, 
But the way the like field is set up, the ball's always going backwards. So it's just really different. And the rules are very different. But every chance I had, I'd ask people like the rule about the rules, about how it's played. And every P day, I'd try to get a rugby ball and start passing around mm. and stuff. So it was fun. I really do love the game. Okay, so dabbling in rugby, football's pretty established. Any other sports for you? Uh, I love to golf. Um, I love like any spare time. It's just a good like mental break, you know. It's it's tough, and I get mad out there on the golf course. Are you any but good? I love it. Uh, not really, but I love it. <laughs> we still love it. Uh, first season off a of mission to New Zealand. Your red shirt here. That was 2017 season, I guess, right? Yep. Uh, that was a year uh, where there were some struggles for the you know for the team. It ends up being a rough year without a postseason. What kind of year was it for you as you were getting off the mission and trying to get ready to play again? I would consider that my biggest year and biggest growth. Um, I was going against Sione Takitaki every play <laughs> on the scout team. And so I really uh, I worked on my technique and I really focused on me that whole year. And I, I was trying to get the defense better, obviously. But I remember getting the defensive film on my iPad just to watch film on my technique and how I could be better. And I really improved uh, a lot that year. Kalani, is it possible to notice somebody as a scout team offensive lineman in a year like 2017? And did you notice him? Oh, yeah, we noticed him right from the, from the beginning and, and had these questions of whether or not we should have played him that year, you know. But um, we felt like it would be better for him to get, being home from a mission, to get him ready, get his legs back and get some off-season conditioning and training for him and, I mean, he does a, he, he's an, an unbelievable player. And, and um, he's, like I said, he's got a bright future. You, you hate making those statements, but I'm really comfortable saying that he's going to play a lot of football as long as he wants to. And, and this, he has his hard work. He's, he's got a wonderful family, and he's got a, everything is working really well in his life. And uh, I, I don't see why that, that shouldn't be his trajectory for, for his men's career. Brady, you had, after that 2017 year, an OC and an O-line coaching change. What was it like to, uh, to prove yourself to a new set of coaches with coaches Grimes and Pugh and then with Coach Mateos coming in this year? Yeah, that was great because uh, the spring ball when they first came in, it was a fresh, you know. Uh, everyone had the opportunity to be able to go prove themselves again or for the first time. And so I really um, I took a lot of pride in playing my best every day that first uh, spring ball with them. And then even when Coach Mateos came in, it's brand new again. you got to go prove yourself again. It doesn't matter if you started – all the games last year, you got to go prove it again. And so it's, it really keeps you on your toes. And we got a bunch of good guys behind us, too, that are just nipping at our heels. So we got to play our best every day. You told me earlier in this conversation that there were smaller schools into you, and then BYU is obviously a, a bigger school. Because there weren't a ton of big schools after you, were you a kind of chip on the shoulder guy uh, coming into BYU that way? Oh, yeah, definitely. I remember. Uh, Playing even Utah State last year or just other teams like that, um, I always have a little chip in my shoulder just to prove that I'm a guy that's here to stay type of thing, you know, and uh, to prove to them that they missed out. And obviously I wouldn't want to be anywhere other than here at Mm -hmm. BYU, but you do play with a chip on your shoulder um, every game. Kalani mentioned this, and I was going to bring it up too, that uh, Coach Grimes picked you as the offensive player of the game two times in the first four weeks of this season. What does that recognition uh, mean to you? I mean, you're not in it for necessarily glory or kudos or honors week to week, but when the OC says, yeah, our best guy uh, two times in four games was our starting left tackle, how does that sit with you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome, but I have a long ways to go. There's a lot of plays where I look at and I just have a lot of improvement uh, technique and being more physical, so it's awesome, but it's, uh, I still got a long way to go type of thing. Okay. The Toledo game was the last game for Zach Wilson uh, for a while. Uh, thoughts on the QB change and how you and your teammates are meshing with uh, Jaron Hall back there? Yeah, Jaron's a stud. He's a, he's a great guy in the locker room and great guy out on the field. 
Um, we're excited to see him play. Obviously, it's a bummer for Zach. It's a bummer for anyone who gets injured. But we just got to have the mentality of next guy up type of thing. It doesn't matter who goes down. Next guy got to come up, and we got to trust them, and we got to go out and just play. Kalani, how important is a left tackle for any right-handed quarterback? He's the most important position that there is. That's why in the NFL they get paid a lot of money <laughs> to protect Tom Brady and you know Drew Brees and all those other guys that are out there playing quarterback. And so for us, it's important that we have our best pass protection guy at left tackle and he's had some really tough matchups this entire season he's done a great job and he's got the best of it what do you think about the position at load itself at left tackle knowing that it comes with all that responsibility I love it I take great great pride um, in protecting the quarterback if the DN gets anywhere near him uh, it, it hurts me and I just watch that play 10 like 10 plus times you know mm. just thinking of what I can do better to protect him because that's uh, I take great pride in it. How much is Jaron Jaron Hall going to help you and your line mates in that if things maybe do break down for any reason, he can make something happen anyway? Oh yeah, it would definitely. We got to always be on our uh, toes and strain. You never know when he's going to make a play or when he's going to start scrambling. So we always just got to strain to the very end to the whistle. Okay, uh, the Toledo game real quick. Uh, it's already a number of days ago, but uh, you racked up a ton of yards, relatively speaking, not as many points as you would like. What's it going to take from your perspective for BYU to take maybe that touchdown tally up a few notches here as we head down the stretch? I think we just got to bring the fight to the opponent. Instead of filling them out and seeing what they're doing and how they're doing, just come out strong and just never let up is what we need to do and what we're going to focus on as a team uh, this week. Because there's been ball movement, right? I mean, moving it's not really been the problem. It's kind of that finishing touch right now. Yeah, yeah. So we just got to be more physical, um, bring that physical mentality in every play, and especially in the red zone. We got to finish up front. So is the red zone key to scoring more touchdowns, throwing you the ball more, do you think? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, trick play to the left tackle. <laughs> no, nah, it didn't work last year. So. It kind of worked. It kind of worked. We're going to see how it kind of worked. In fact, uh, Brady makes a heck of a move, by the way, for a left tackle. Take us through this. Yeah, so it's called the Hawaii Rainbow Warrior. It's actually designed to uh, be ran against Hawaii, uh, but we kept it in the game plan for the NIU game. And there we go. Just kind of snuck out, made one guy miss, and uh, just not good enough to make another guy miss. <laughs> well, didn't you yell at everyone for not blocking for you? Yeah. James right there yeah, missed the block. I always, I always give James grief for uh, <laughs> not blocking his guy, but it, it really it was such a bad angle anyways because it was more – You had to peel back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we had yeah. to peel back, and so James missed him on the high side, and so it is a tough play. But, but you were but you were evasive once you caught the ball. Yeah, I made a guy – people were like, you need to make a guy miss, and I was like, I made a guy miss, one. <laughs> <laughs> Two was too much to ask. <laughs> Two was too much to ask. But getting in the end zone will have to be a career highlight if that happens at some point during your career. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, I think Texas ran the exact play uh, last week to their left tackle, and he scored. Um, it, it's awesome. But something to shoot for. It's not, it's not something <laughs> we're looking forward to. We take great pride in blocking and protecting and stuff. Okay, well, you know, you have a long career. Uh, thoughts on heading south uh, to Florida for this weekend, South yeah, Florida? I'm excited. Uh, they're a great team, um, great up front, uh, very, very athletic. And so we got to – Bring our A game. Alani, you're just getting a, a vibe from, from Brady as we're talking here today. It seems like um, he's somebody that would be a, a popular teammate, a good locker room guy. Uh, what, what's he like with the, with, with the boys? Great leader, uh, and they all look to him. He's, he's a hard worker. He does it by uh, example. And then he, he, you know, when he speaks, people listen. And so that's our teams run by these big guys that, that, that aren't afraid to lead. And he's a guy that will do what's right. And, and he's been doing it on the field and off the field and in the classroom. And, 
I'm just really proud of him. Just honored to be his coach. Last couple things for you, Brady. How would you describe the O-line's camaraderie? What do you guys like to do together, and what's it like when you all do get together? Um, it's pretty rowdy. One of our favorite things we like to do is actually go like shoot skeet up in the mountains. <laughs> I'm not a big uh, gun guy myself, but all the other guys are, and I just love being with them. You know, and when we go out to eat at Tucanos or whatever. Um, <laughs> that sure, must be a trip, by I'm, the way. I'm, I'm sure they yeah. lose money there when we go out. Yeah, the all-you-can-eat does some damage there. Uh, what, uh, what to you will make this season a successful season as you look down the, down the line? I think we just got to take it uh, game by game, you know. We got a lot of good teams ahead of us uh, and still a lot of the season left. So it's, uh, we can still have a very special season. We just got to um, take a week-by-week mentality and get more physical every week. And you know that if things break the way you want, uh, there is a postseason reward at the end of it. There's a bowl game in Hawaii if you guys are eligible, and that would be the plan right now. That would be a nice way to end things up, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, Can't beat Hawaii, you know, nice and warm. (laughs) But, again, just focused on uh, week by week. Which is South Florida starting Saturday. Great having you in tonight. Thanks for coming and chatting. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, stick with us as we head to break here. And as we do head to break, did you know that you can have your groceries waiting to be picked up or better yet dropped off at your front door? It's all done online at smithsfoodanddrug.com or on their app on your phone. Download the Smith's app and save time shop online. We invite you to break down Cougar football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon on After Further Review. That's on demand now on the BYU TV app. And finally, this week's trivia question. How many FBS teams are located in the state of Florida? The answer next. Stay with us on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. All right, before the break, we ask this trivia question. How many FBS teams are located in the state of Florida? Don't show the answer yet. We're going to have Kalani talk us through this. How many FBS teams in the state of Florida? Let's, let's start. So Florida State, Florida. Okay. Miami. Three. Right? And then uh, you have FAU. Four. FIU. Five. Um, who am I missing? USF, UCF. There you go. At seven. Yeah, there, we go. there you go. Yeah, the team you're playing this weekend and everybody else. Way to go. Yeah, I was about to go to FCS there a little bit. Yeah, there we go. What is Kalani one? Uh, seven. There it is. Those are the seven FBS teams. Way to go. Yeah. Don't ever doubt me. <laughs> yeah. There we go. That was fun. It helps when you play one of them. So. All right, let's go to the Daily Double then. What's his next question? We have no question ready for you. Uh, and a lot of people miss uh, either FAU or FIU in that, but you got them pretty quickly in that one. Yeah, well, I was just talking about it with Mateos, who's from Miami area, and so that probably helps out. As he was explaining that FAU is, is like 40-minute drive away from Miami, and uh, FIU is right there in Miami, so that helped out. And of those Thanks, seven, Mateos. Yeah, of those seven, the, the, the teams that BYU hasn't played yet would be FAU, FIU, and Florida. Yep. They played Miami and Florida State, UCF, and now USF. So and then we have UCF in, in the future as well, and USF as well. So. Yep. Okay. So then, cool. uh, yeah, Florida. It'd be kind of nice to play Florida at some point. Yeah. You? Maybe Tom can get some, some of those other teams on the schedule, too. Yeah. Well, you'll, as we've seen, you'll play anybody. <laughs> All right. Here's another look at our uh, game day schedule, by the way, for uh, this Saturday. Radio coverage uh, starts with the Cougar pregame live at uh, 1.30 Eastern, 10.30 Pacific. And then BYU TV's countdown to kickoff comes an hour later. The game itself is on CBS Sports Network and BYU Radio, of course, with uh, Riley Mitch and me. And then uh, post-game coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Backtracking to wrap up our show today, uh, Coach, and it's uh, the first start uh, uh, thing for, for Jaron Hall. And uh, the research crew here has uh, found out that uh, BYU's freshmen recently making their first starts tend to do really well. In fact, the last four freshmen to start a quarterback have all won their 
first starts. And that's a good thing. And I was trying to think about this too, who they were. Uh, you're going to have uh, Tanner Mangum uh, won his first start. Uh, Joe, Joe Critchlow won his first start. Uh, Taysom Hill won his first start. And then Zach Wilson won his first start. Those are the last four freshmen to go uh, 4-0 in their starts. So that's keep that good, thing yeah. rolling. Yeah. You got, I could talk to Greg all day about all the, all the stats. All and, the fun stats and yeah, trends that no one thing. else cares about. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I didn't get the seven schools, I know you would have filled them all in. We would have anyway, helped you out. So. We would have helped you out. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just looking forward to it. I mean, I, I, know, uh, you know, I know that myself and then the other coaches are really excited to get these guys in a position where they can do well and, and, and uh, perform better than what we did last, week, uh, last time we were on the, on the field. And our guys work hard, and, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing an improvement and, and getting the result we want. Okay, here's a goofy stat streak trend that we want to see reversed this week. BYU's never won a game in the state of Florida. 0-7 all time. That includes three, four, uh, three bowl games and four regular season games against different teams over the years, but never yet a win yet in the Sunshine State. So there's one to shoot for and, yeah. uh, and make happen on the weekend. There we go. Yeah, the, those, those are meant to be broken. So BYU's last, by the way, BYU's last regular season game in the state of Florida was in 2014 against UCF. And BYU had a guy making his first start at quarterback that day, too. It was Christian Stewart, who was in as an injury replacement for Taysom Hill. Now you've got Jaron Hall as an injury replacement for... But Christian wasn't a freshman. No, he was not. He was an older guy. So there we go. We, but, got, we yeah. got the stats on our side right now. Okay, so from <laughs> UCF to USF. And uh, you mentioned it already as we wrap up here. Uh, third of four games back in the Eastern time zone. You've got this Eastern thing down, right, with the travel routine and everything else? Yeah, I think our guys are, are used to it. I mean, uh, they're, they're excited to get, get on the road and see our fans out that way and... Uh, you know, we we were really thankful to see the fans that showed up the Toledo game, and uh, you know it was it was a special moment for me to see our players the way they. Uh, it wasn't the result that we wanted, but I, I was really uh, just loved the way our guys ed- exited the locker room and embraced the fans that were there and and smiled with them and showed them how much they appreciated them and that. That really matters to our players, and I'm looking forward to seeing the fans out in Florida. All right, back on the road. From Toledo to Tampa, we'll see you and BYU fans out there on the weekend. All right, that is going to do it. To request seats for next week's Satake Show, we invite you to go to BYUcougars.com slash Satake Show. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, for producer Jerem Jordan, director Scott Hill, Brady Christensen, and the coach Kalani Satake. I'm Greg Rubel. This has been BYU Football with Kalani Satake here on BYU TV. Go Cougs.